Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Guess what's in store? Life After Lemons. The podcast with Paul Cook. This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. If you ever stop listening to The Paul Cook Show. Life After Lemons. I am coming for you. Academy Award right here. (laughs) For the past 20 years, I've been fascinated with discovering ways for people to overcome obstacles. Then my wife and I both were diagnosed with different advanced cases of cancer here in our 40s. Life After Lemons. So I cannot wait to work together with you and my compelling guests to seek and share examples of rare victory right here on this podcast every time you click on a new episode life after lemons the podcast with paul cook (laughs) i'll take some of that let me tell you i am so thrilled that you are here to take in life after lemons we have another incredible show with a dateline s storyline that you have got to hear But we also want to make sure you subscribe if you can and listen back to some of my other podcasts, like last week, the one with my wife, where we were very candid about the cancer that we've both had. There were laughs and tears, and people have been so generous talking about learning from the thinking that might be relatable in that podcast. And maybe you know someone who has an unexpected, devastating illness please forward that podcast on to them as well. Today might also be a podcast you need to forward to someone. It's a miraculous story, an incredible, resilient human being. Imagine if you were having fertility issues and you'd tried so hard with your husband to have a baby the natural way and you were out thousands and thousands of dollars. And then you decided to make peace with adopting. Adopting a child that maybe came from an unstable environment that wouldn't have a very good life without you. And you think, we can show this child how much love we have for him and his life will go differently than it was supposed to. And we all have a chance at being happy. Then as the months and years go by, you begin to notice things you didn't want to see in your boy, an interest in pain 
and hurting animals, a lack of empathy, and really no care about being punished. You talk to a few people in the know, went to a few appointments, and then you become painfully aware you have adopted a sociopath. This is a story I read about from a couple, Paul and Jane, in England. The story that happened in our St. Louis area is even worse. After Miss Hancock had a healthy baby girl, her and her husband decided to adopt. The rest, you've got to hear from her. And wait for the end when she tells you about the new TEDx St. Louis, which she co-founded. And because of COVID-19 work from home, we couldn't have Mish into our big, beautiful, professional studios. So this is the Zoom chat we had just the other day. Thanks so much for your patience. Mish Hancock, I'm so grateful for your bravery in telling this story because there are more players than just you and who you adopted. Others that made it much more devastating than it had to be and could have even contributed to a loss of life. It's a story that needs to be heard. So you go ahead. Welcome. Welcome. Please describe it. You know, you, you, you see these um, so many wonderful movies where these kids get adopted and everything's so fun and happy afterwards. Um, I have the devil story. That's what it felt like. I it was, I kid you, it was horrible. And so, so, and I can laugh about it now, and I can I can be lighter about it now. But at the time it, it was happening to me, I was just like, I don't even know what to do with this because you know you adopt a child, you're told one thing about that child, you know, oh, they're they're mentally and emotionally just fine. Yeah. And I'm talking about, and I'm going to throw them under the bus because it was really ridiculous, but um, it was working with the children's division, which I believe is a very, very broken system. But it's one thing to be a broken system and to say, mm. look, we get, we're really broken and let's work with you together and let's figure out the best. But it's different just to just be like, let's be in denial about us being a broken system and try to make you, the parent, look really, really bad so that we can, you know, so, yeah, right? So we can look good, but you're going to look bad. I'm like, that. That's an interesting and pretty horrible choice on how to be. Um, but uh, but basically, adopted a little boy at four, and um, long story short, is it figured out that he was a sociopath? Can you tell the one? It's unbelievable. What about when you were driving and you said, "I think you're trying to"? Would you mind that one? So that was like the, that was the that was sort of the the um, that was the beginning of the end. Let me put it that way. And so after years of dealing with this person in your life that one, so here's the super sad part about, about my son is that he could not feel love. Now I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine going through life, not being able to feel love. So here's this human being that seriously cannot feel love or connection to other humans. Which is why we're created. Oh my gosh. That to me feels like a very painful existence. But um, in, in a sociopath, one of the interesting things about them is that they they do not have lines. So you and I have lines. We don't cross. Right. right? We don't cross that. Right. Line. It'd just be crazy do to do that. Right. 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 And, and we all know people that cross some lines. We're like, Maybe yeah, jump back. <laughs> don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? 
You didn't need to do that. But he would, uh, but yeah, so he crossed lines that I didn't even know were there. And so as a result, you know, I was, I was surprised Mm. and stunned and like, whoa, I don't know what to do with this. So started out with things like killing baby birds, Mm. you know, you're like, "Mm, this is not a good sign, you know, and then just, um, realizing that he did he would just say what he wanted to say at any given time, whether it be the truth or the lie wasn't, it was just, I need, this is what I need to keep myself out of trouble or I believe him really just always trying to keep himself safe. Cause he was, you know, his birth mother, you didn't do the things that you, you want a birth mother to do. I mean, she did drugs and alcohol and you know, what have you. Mm. So through the years, there were a number of stories that, um, Stephen King, if you're out there, I've got a story idea for you, but you know, that's how I felt. I felt like I was leaving it, living in a Stephen King novel, just with all the, the things that yes. were going on, Lightning, horrifying, scary, you know, knives went missing. They actually did. Um, you know, woke up in the middle of the night, many times with him standing over me. Yeah, I mean, you know, and never really a part of the family. I always described him as lurking. Lurking he on the outside. He wasn't like ever a part of anything. So we get to this place where um, I had gone out to a workshop with my father. My mom was watching him and his sister. So that since I, I had a baby. Mm-hmm. Right, know? a baby, right. And when I got back to my parents' house, as I was getting close to the house, I had this image in my head of my daughter laying in a pool of blood with a knife next to her. And I was like, what the hell is this? Why am I having this image? Oh my God, I'm freaking wow. out. I'm running in my parents' house, you know, mom, kids, you know. How you doing? They come upstairs. My daughter is just very distraught and crying. And my mom was like, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's been like this all night. And I'm thinking, because she's feeling the same stuff I'm feeling. Something's up here. So get the kids in the car. Um, My son's name, by the way, is James. So I had James sitting up front and, and my daughter in the back. And I just, I just asked him, I was like, I feel like you're going to hurt somebody. Are you going to hurt somebody? And just as, you know, like we're having a regular conversation, he said, "Mm -hmm." I go, okay, who? And he points to his sister and said, her, I said, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to stab her with a knife. Oh my God. And I said, well, are you going to do that to anyone else? He's like, probably you. Okay. And I said, well, how about dad? He goes, well, not dad. You're driving. Oh my God. That did not make any sense. So that was when I went, I'm in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble here. I'm in trouble. I'm here. I'm at that place. You know, the oh. place I knew, I felt it. I knew, but here we are. So that's when I took him to the Behavioral Science Center out at um, St. John's. And that begin, began the road of how do I get this person out of my house and it was a nightmare. I mean, and that's where the nightmare started, Mish. I was going to oh. say that it, you hear the knife and all that. This is when the nightmare started. I mean, it did happen before, but you know what I'm saying? Well, it, just, it escalated to a whole other, like it went, the, 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 the nightmare went from this person in your house that you have to figure out how to get out of your house to 
the children's division that would continually lie and do weird things with the truth that oh my God. I was like, I don't believe that these people are supposed to be protecting people. And yet, why are they not understanding what's going on here? Clearly, Gosh. they have dealt with children like this because as a child, what they call it is reactive attachment disorder. The inability to attach with your caregiver. Wow. I know that they have dealt with this. Yeah, I mean, there's a term. Oh, my God. That's something new, right? You know? But then there's, then there, as he got older, it was clear that, you know, the, the men, anyway, mental health professionals were often using the terms of um, sociopathic tendencies and behavior. Yes, I would think. And that's what was it never would add up because these mental health professionals that they, that the children's division had him working with were using these terms. So I'm like, these are your people. Your people are saying this. Why don't you believe them? And, and their, their way of dealing with always like, they would say things like, well, teenagers. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) right. Oh my God. Killed our cat. I'm like, teenagers don't just kill the, the pet cat. Oh, you, no remorse or fun. the dog almost to death this is abnormal disturbing behavior that we should be looking at going wow th- okay some this child is going to grow up and be an adult and, and going to get i mean that was the one thing that was consistent with scarier behavior every year oh my gosh this isn't just going to go away it, it, no, and and one of the mental health professionals that were working with him at the time had called me when he. I did get him in residential care for a while, and um, he was he asked me, he's like, I get what got him in here, but I want you to tell me about early things. Like, what did you notice early on? And we were talking about that, and he's like, okay, he's like, you are dealing with a sociopath, Mrs. Hancock. Because I am looking at a list of things you've done over the years and it's, ex- you have to be exhausted. I'm like, dude, totally exhausted and all my hair's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm freaking out, you know, I mean, well, things aren't good over here. And uh, you know, I don't sleep, don't sleep. You know, that would be hey, bad. Hey, just, just so you know, haven't slept. <laughs> yeah, I gotta stay on top of things. And, uh, and he's, and so, yeah. And so he was the one who finally said, you were dealing with a sociopath. We do not know how to get a conscious in where a conscious has never been. Nobody knows how to do this. So then you've got the children's division saying he's ready to come back home because he's been through a program. And I'm going, do you have a magical program that cures people who are sociopathic? Because there's a lot of folks that would like to know about. That. Yeah, that would be worth something. <laughs> yes. This what is this magical program of yours? <laughs> yes. This is, can you bottle it? <laughs> Let's talk about this. So, yeah. So it's just such a bizarre, it was just bizarre. It was, it was like living in an alternate universe, you know, because I'm used to being Mish, you know, me being out and about and yes. fun and hugging people and loving people, you know, and loving I'm on people. The children, yes. are, I'm like, why don't you, why don't you get me? <laughs> Yeah, right. Come on, dude. You got a good one. I'm the person that's the, I'm not the issue, you know. You scored. So, yeah. I know. Really, really horrible, tough, difficult. Um, It seems like a, it seems like that I was, it, it happened to a different person at this point. Really? I, I'm so different 
I, I, I didn't know you then, but I can't imagine how you went through it and how they wouldn't believe you and made you feel like the bad person. And then he figured out how to say the right thing. And, you know, that's what happened. He didn't get right. He figured out how to say the right thing you told me. Right. And that's the thing that a lot of, you know, the, when you read, of course, when I got obsessed with learning about sociopaths and, um, and when you read anything about it, I mean, you know, they know how to play the system. They're smart people. They know how to play the therapy system. They know how to figure it all out. But therapy will only work if you trust your therapist. And these are people that don't trust anyone. So it's never going to work. And, and it has to do, I mean, there's definitely something going on in the brain. So the way the one mental health um, professional that we worked with, he, he described it as he absolutely cannot get to his frontal lobe. He mm. just can't get there. He lives in his lizard brain. There is wow. no getting up to that frontal lobe. And hence, this is the behavior that you see. Wow. I mean, that's but it. The, the end of that story is that, yes, he is now, um, he is now in prison. Mm. Um, he did end up, um, going to a, a foster family. And unfortunately, you know, the first foster family, it was a disaster, of course. And we, I was in contact with that foster family. And, you know, they, they basically came back and said, he's evil. And I was like, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm like, not many people know that unless they've actually had to live with them. But now that you have figured out that, that that's what's going on, you got to watch it because now he knows, you know, his secret. And this is when things can get really dangerous. So they like were like, we can't do this anymore. The next foster family he went to um, children's division told me I could not talk to them or have any kind of contact with them because it was bad for James. Wow. Bad for him. Bad yeah, memories uh, for him. So what ended up happening was he, um, he sexually molested the six year old granddaughter of this family. And, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what he ended up in prison for. But, it wow. was, to me, it was just like, why aren't you listening to me? Yeah. I, it just, uh, people, uh, they're contempt prior to even investigating it, you know, to knowing it, it's really bizarre. And I'm glad you shared that. Unfortunately about what happened at, uh, two homes down the road. How many years was that across, uh, time, all of that, that you dealt with? Well, let's see, we adopted him when he was age four. And by the time that we finally were like, it was you know, out of the house and not coming back was around age 15. Unbelievable. Yeah. 11 so years. It, was, it was really tough. And then, um, but, but the good part is luckily the lemons, the life. Once yes. I started sleeping again, <laughs> right. You, oh man. I really like sleeping. I was like, Oh, no wonder we like this so much. Sleeping so good. Um, so once I started sleeping again, um, that's when I started to, re I lost myself in this process. So I started to remember who is Mish, what is Mish all about? Yeah. And then I was also like, you know what? This is the choice. The choice is wallow in this. And for the rest of my life, I can point back at this and go, I am not doing anything because this bad thing happened. Right. Or I got a lot of life ahead of me. Yes. Let's make something with it. Let's do something. And so then I, I sat back and thought the world is my playground. Mm. I get to play. I mean, the weirdest little tiniest things would make me so happy. The fact that I could go to a coffee shop and just hang out and talk to someone. I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> like the best thing. I mean, you know, and so I learned to really celebrate those small things 
appreciate them, but then at the same time, really work at what do I really want to do? I really want to have a business. This is the kind of business I want to have. These are the kind of people I want to surround my life with. And wow. I have to say, I've got it. You wow. know, I'm, like I met you, Paul, and you know, we were like, we are friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Immediately. Let's Boom. do more things. Let's do <laughs> this. <laughs> Here, let's do three broadcasts at the same time. Uh, let's I, just see what the hell we can make happen when we talk. <laughs> A lot of ideas in that. This is Life After Lemons. Uh, Paul Cook and Mish Hancock, thank you for listening. I, I have to say, um, you did respond in such a great way. You bounced back. So many people don't. They will find uh, substance abuse and just be bitter, and they'll live, you know. But it's such a trauma that happened to you. And it, it, I know that you've dealt with it in, in so many ways, but it does. It's same here when you have a trauma it does make you appreciate the little things so much more. It really does. And it, and then also, I think the other thing, like people that come through this, and you know that we, be, we begin to take self-awareness up to a whole other level. We yeah. begin to yes. understand how important it is. And, 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 and also to just so, really so like relish the human experience. You know, so now when something is happening, Instead of just like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. It's like, why is this happening? Oh. What needs to change to make this different? What's going on in my world? Like we start to ask questions and look at it and, and really like observe it from mm -hmm. a place so that we can start to understand how do I get through this or, or what is the lesson in this? I mean, and that I think is key. That is key. huge. You, you've said something so important there. Uh, so many people are operating without awareness in just the front. They they believe what they're dealing with is reality, and there's never introspection or looking like, I do hate that a lot. Maybe I need to ask myself why I hate that or why I go to this uh, making fun of and belittling. You know, maybe I need to just ask why. You know, and when you have that little bit of awareness, right. you, you bring in a little light that heals it, I think. And uh, you said it. Awareness is one of my favorite words, and we don't have enough of it. We don't have enough of it, and it's crazy important. It's crucial, absolutely. I have been made aware of a certain change to TEDx in our community. It's awesome. So we were TEDx Gateway Arch, and then the license for TEDx St. Louis came up. And TEDx was like, we want you to have this license. We were super, super excited about it because, you know, it really, I mean, it's more of who we are because we're so about our whole region. Yes. We love the arch, nothing against the arch, but right. we wanted to really take our message and, and for our message to make sense, which since we highlight people from St. Louis, right? It made sense for us to be TEDx St. Louis. So we were very excited when they they granted us the license. Oh my gosh. I'm absolutely so excited. So then that means you've got to put this new TEDx St. Louis uh, out there. And uh, I think you got something planned, right? Why, yes, we do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we are right now, we, are, we started, uh, we'll have an event coming up September 22nd. Great. And the theme of the event is resilience. Pretty good theme for right now. Yeah. Why would Happy. anyone be thinking about that? Oh, perfect. perfect. And we are inviting back some of our past speakers. 
to just update us on what they've been doing. And, That's you know, cool. we've got some, so let me tell you, just so everybody knows, like the, the one thing that you're going to want to do is it's TEDx St. Louis, but it's spelled out S-A-I-N-T Louis. Right? I love that. Um, and the name of the, okay, so it's resilience. And then the people that we're going to have there, we had a speaker before that um, is, she is a surgeon and she has been, Huge, huge, huge into this, into what's going on with COVID. Oh, wow. So Dr. LJ Punch is going to be there. She rocked an amazing talk last time. And so she's coming back to talk about all that she's been involved in. Um, Mm. We had another speaker that Sharon Deem. And so she's going to be talking about everything going on around climate change and extinctions and yada, yada, yada. Oh, wow. Uh, in the midst of this pandemic. He's with the zoo. She's from the St. Louis Zoo. We have another speaker, Joe Pang. And Joe is a mindfulness expert. And so he is going to help us with mindfulness during these very stressful times. Right? It's been huge for me. I'm I'm an amateur, but it's been huge for me. And this, he's amazing. He's just amazing. And then we're, um, we're also going to, uh, invite back Wally Seward, who, who was at, an, at one of our events. Hey, not that long ago. He was one of our latest events before all this stuff happened. Yeah, before the world um, changed. But he's going to talk about the pro-cop and anti-cop divide, which is oh, wow. a hot topic right now. And then we have a gentleman who wrote a book, and his name is Walter Johnson, and, and his book is all about St. Louis's turbulent history mm. of racial inequality. Wow. Okay. So it's, it's a really, it's, I mean, it's a now kind of deal. Yeah. Like it's, it's here's right now. And we get to hear from these amazing people doing again, important work. Mm. So it's a free virtual event. Um, virtual. It'll go from four to five, five thirty, And uh, we are asking for a $5 donation because even though it's virtual, there's still things that, you know, you need to, to be done. Work. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, you I have know. to bring your own snacks. We're not going to be providing snacks this time. <laughs> no <laughs> snacks, man. Wait, wait, what should we have them bring for snacks? I don't know. <laughs> your TEDx crackers. That's the newest <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, absolutely. People should donate. I mean, TEDx and you—you uh, you guys have brought us so much over the years, and just the. The entire model of it is so special. Absolutely. Five yeah, bucks. It's at really least. cool. So we're excited. So it's kind of like a, a midweek happy hour. You know, as we say, this is one of the smartest happy hours you can go to, right? So. Absolutely. Thank you, honey. You're wonderful. See you, right, Mish. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. That's the TEDx St. Louis virtual event called Resilience on September 22nd. TEDxSaintLewis.org. Wow. Didn't we learn some stuff? Incredible resilience in Mish's personal life. Why wouldn't it be that way in everything she does? Please subscribe to Life After Lemons. And next week, he doesn't talk about it too much. We will go there. Lance Hildebrand and his two divorces. Like you've never heard before. Thanks for listening to Life After Lemons. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.